Holy cow. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Friday, March 31st, 2017 Ag News Daily Podcast. I'm Mike Pearson. Joining me today is my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you? I'm pretty good, Mike. How are you? All right. Yeah, try not to be too enthusiastic there, Delaney. Uh, You know, tone it down a bit. Okay. I am fantastic. Today is Friday, and I can quit working for a few days, have a little break. Yeah, we need to get you some livestock, Delaney. Is that more enthusiastic? That's perfect. I feel like I already have like 10 jobs. I don't need another one. You know, I think we just probably, you've got a spare bedroom at that apartment. Let's just fill it full of (laughs) steers. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm sure the landlord will let you have pets. Yeah, sure. Gotcha. Well, we do have a pretty good show today, don't we? We do. We've got uh, a good discussion with our very good friend, Angie Setzer. She is on Twitter at the Goddess of Grain. She's going to help us really break down the reports that were released today, both quarterly grain stocks and prospective plantings. That was the big news. Mm-hmm. Really moved the markets, especially beans today. It but did. We also had other news. Delaney, what did you have going on in the world of agriculture? Sure thing, Mike. Well, I saw on Twitter this morning, I don't remember who it was tweeted it now, but um, FMC will be buying a portion of DuPont for $1.2 billion, and that portion that they will be buying is for the um, crop protection business portion. So the agreement will uh, deal with some pesticides, portfolios, global cereal, broadleaf herbicides, and a substantial portion of DuPont's global crop protection research. Hmm. Now, see, that's interesting that that purchase is happening because I, bel- I, I, I thought with the merger, that portion of DuPont was going to get spun off into a new company. So I wonder how that's going to look uh-huh. going forward. I wonder if this was to meet uh, Justice Department guidelines or something. Yeah, I wondered that as well. Um, yeah, and they mentioned something about, a mer- about merging and, uh, oh, to meet the European Commission. Gotcha. That's that's a. Uh, the kicker there so okay so it is it's still part of the merger they've got to divest of of these assets. yes okay yep. interesting yep well you know speaking yes. of uh, uh you know kind of a changing well i guess a changing world all of these ag companies are merging we're also seeing changes on the consumer front and albertson's companies which is uh they operate oh geez a pile of uh, different retail banners uh, albertson's grocery store safeway Jewel Osco, um, all kinds of stuff. And, um, excuse me, they sell eggs to, to those uh, retail operations. They announced, I think it was last year, yeah, early 2016, they were the largest grocery chain to commit to sourcing cage-free eggs in its retail operation. Today, they announced that not only are they going to demand their whole eggs or eggs in the shell be cage-free, any liquid egg product has to come from cage-free hens and they've committed to doing this by 2025 so they've got another what eight years to go mm-hmm. cage-free and you know the question still is out there do consumers want to only have one choice of expensive cage-free eggs i, I know i'm happy with the eggs i buy at the grocery store that are not cage-free, and they are affordable, and they are delicious, and they go great with cheese and ham. 
What do you mean one option of cage-free? So Albertsons, if you shop in an Albertsons store, whether it's Albertsons, Safeway, Vons, Jewel, Osco, Shaw's, Acme, Tom Thumb, Randall's, United Supermarkets, Pavilion, Star Market, or Hagen and Cars, which I've never heard of, it sounds like they are only going to be selling cage-free whole eggs and cage-free oh, liquids. Okay. So you won't have gotcha. the option if you shop at those retailers of buying conventionally raised, uh, safe and wholesome you know, gotcha. eggs from hens produced the modern scientific way. You mm -hmm. can only do I, it from I, eggs that uh, come from chickens that are allowed to peck each other to death in larger pens. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I don't think I've even heard of most of those grocery store chains. So maybe they're just targeted towards east and west coast or bigger cities. I, I think they are. I think Albertsons there, I know for sure in Arizona, um, Safeways are, are same deal. I, they're not here right in the heartland. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm sure that's definitely what they're doing. They're looking at that urban consumer and hearing those consumers say, hey, we want, you know, cruelty-free eggs that are sung to mm -hmm. every night. And this <laughs> is the direction they're going. Well, speaking of food, I have a quick update on yesterday's McDonald's story. We were discussing whether or not it would be all stores and all all sandwiches would be uh, the fresh beef. And I saw a lot of contradictions on Twitter yesterday about it, and I believe it will not be all sandwiches, will be the fresh beef. I think they're still going to be using some frozen patties as well. So I don't really know. I, maybe it's just an advertising scheme. Who knows? Okay. Huh. I wonder if there's going to be a price distinction between those sandwiches then. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't either. All beef is good beef, but uh, well, yeah. you know, if they're going to buy more fresh beef, you know, hats off to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's that's a uh, an issue of trade. Delaney, do you have any other issues of trade that have been in the news? I do. So President Trump is signing two executive orders today, or he might have already done so. And they will be dealing with trade. He will be signing those to uh, go through some issues of large scale trade, trying to renegotiate agreements and just just looking through current agreements we have and making sure that we're getting the best deal possible. And that is coming one week before he meets with President Xi Jinping of China. So White House press says it's not because they're meeting with China. It's not to throw it in their face by any means, but that is coming up as well. So I'm sure it will be part of their talks when President Jinping comes next week. Yeah, I bet so. It's it's interesting they clarified that. No, it's not to throw it in his face. It's just right. it's not, it's not mm -hmm. how the timing worked out. Yeah. It was just a coincidence. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's uh, he's a, known as a deal maker for a reason. I'm guessing this uh -huh. is a tactic. Yeah, and and um, so officials will have 90 days to produce a country-by-country, product-by-product report that will serve as the basis for future decision-making and uh, trade-related issues. So, geez, that seems like a tall. It'll order. be interesting to see. I, I know. I. It will be interesting to see which countries will respond to that, and which ones will say, "Ah, oh, no, thank you. We'll just trade with someone else." Yeah, you know, those American dollars do go a long way in these countries, but it's the question is, yeah. you're exactly right. How far does it go? Right. Yeah. Gosh, let's see. Um, before we get into the markets, should we discuss the uh, quarterly grain stocks and uh, planting intentions? Yeah, let's do a quick breakdown of those. You bet. Let's jump into uh, quarterly grain stocks first. So across the board, corn, beans, and wheat all were higher than the average trade estimate. In the corn market, uh, trade was expecting 8.5 billion bushels. USDA came in at 8.61. 
In beans, trade was expecting 1.68 billion bushels. USDA came in at 1.73. And in wheat, trade was anticipating 1.627 billion bushels on uh, on hand here for uh, this last quarter. And uh, the USDA came in at 1.655. So wheat just a little bit higher, but beans, that might have shocked or helped shock that nearby a little bit lower today. Mm-hmm. On the prospective plantings report, this is where the big shockers were. So across, so the trade, let's look at corn first. The trade average estimate was 90.9, call it 91 million acres. USDA came in at 89.99 million acres. In beans, trade was figuring 88.2 million acres. USDA came in at 89.42. So we're basically 89 and a half versus 90 million acres corn and beans. That's a much higher bean number than the trade was anticipating. In fact, it's higher than the highest of the uh, analyst ranges. So that really spooked the market. In the wheat side, all all uh, all wheat was down from analyst expectations, just about 100 million bushels. And the big drop-off happened in the... Uh, Excuse me, there really wasn't a big drop-off. The biggest drop-off happened in the uh, winter wheat uh, was down from analyst expectations, just about uh, 200,000 acres below in the all-wheat side of things. So that's where that's the numbers the trade was digesting today, uh, post-11 o'clock when those reports were released. But we are seeing some grain in the markets today. Yesterday, we didn't see a lot of grain. So let's go through those now, Mike. You betcha, we did see green, and let's start off with some of these green markets in the corn pit. Uh, May corn was up six and three quarters, closed the day at 364 and a quarter. December corn up seven and a quarter, closed the day at 888 and a quarter. Over in beans, this is where there's some red. May beans down 17 cents, even closed at 946 even. November beans down nine and a quarter, closed the day at 954 even. On the wheat side, May wheat was up five and a half cents, uh, closed the day at 4.26 and a half. December wheat up four and a quarter, ended at 4.73 and three quarters. In the livestock trade, we were mixed in the live cattle contract. We had April's April fat cattle down a nickel, closed the day at 119.950. Junes were unchanged. August feeders up two and a half cents at 106. 75. All right, let's take a look at the feeder cattle market. We do have some green here in this market. April feeders closed up $1.40, end of the day at 133.95. May feeders up $1.27 and a half, closed at 132.70. In lean hogs, the nearby, the April lean hog contract was up a nickel, ended at 65.67 and a half. May lean hogs down 65 cents, closed at 69.850 Delaney. That is how we closed the day to lead us off into the weekend. Well, Mike, after seeing some green numbers today, but lots of red in the soybean pits, let's go to Angie and have her really dissect these with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us now Angie Setzer, which is at Gods of Grain on Twitter. And Angie, before we get to talking too much here about the quarterly grain stocks report i want to first just tell you that i loved your tweet this morning that you sent out and for those of you that don't follow angie on twitter she posted this morning saying it's report day it's just like christmas but with a chance of turds in the box you're hoping was a new bike i thought that was hilarious (laughs) it's so true it's sad but true like imagine me waking up on christmas morning and this is how it is as a trader or a farmer on on uh 
planting intentions quarterly stocks day, March 31st, is you wake up on Christmas morning and you're like, yes, that's got to be my bike. And you open it up and it's horse manure. Like that is how I felt last year getting the corn acreage number. Is that how you felt today looking at the the stocks report? Yeah. Soybeans were off quite a bit. Uh, Corn and wheat were not. Um, Today's numbers to me kind of felt like hoping for a new bike and getting a sweater. Um, was it terrible? No, you know, it wasn't the horse manure, but it wasn't really, um, it, you know, maybe it's the bunny outfit in a Christmas story or something like that because <laughs> quarterly stocks did come in a little bit higher than anticipated for corn. Um, but the acres coming in lower helped to offset that. And then of course the reduction in soft red wheat acres, um, offset the, um, increase or the little bit higher than anticipated quarterly stocks numbers for wheat, which let corn and wheat finally, uh, get off their back because they've been floating, you know, kind of hitting the bottom there for quite some time. I call it trolling the the bottom of the market it, lately. It's just we haven't been able to get anything. And then beans, of course, got that higher than expected acres number, a little bit higher stocks number and fell off. But I feel like the bean deal is we've been anticipating this kind of market move since, what, December now? So it, it's not – it doesn't feel like it should be shocking because every, mm-hmm. I mean, or even last December, December of 2015, when everyone told you beans were going lower, you know, here we are, we're finally, you know, maybe moving in that direction. And you know what shocked me on the bean side? So the acreage number did appear to be the number that, that kind of caught folks off guards, 89 and a half, right? Million acres in beans, projected yeah. plantings. And yet on the board, we had the May beans down 17, Novi beans only down yeah. nine and a quarter. What's What's going on there? Why did the nearbys get hit so hard? Well, we saw the quarterly stocks numbers come in slightly higher than expected. Um, so I think people, you know, in the past couple of reports or the past couple of years here, we've seen quarterly stock numbers indicate that we're using more each quarter. Um, so today was kind of the first time that we've seen that actually be higher. And I'm not really sure if we can take Informa's numbers at face value, but they also increased their um, South American bean estimates. Two and a half million metric ton on Argentina beans, and I believe three million metric ton on Brazilian beans, which ended up being about four million higher than the current USDA number. Um, so I think that may have had something to do with it, perhaps. But Inform has always been known as the the bearish um, market projector. Um, but I think when you get you already have bad numbers via the USDA, and then Informa kind of comes out, that may have had something to do with it. But at the same time, they increased corn estimates for both countries as well, and obviously the market didn't care about that. Yeah. So um, but that would in... be the influence on oil crop. Gotcha. Where did Informa end up on their bean number? They at 112? Brazil, yeah, 111. Okay. And uh, Argentina, I believe they put that up to 56. Six, but I'd have to double check. I just knew it was about two and a half million higher. Jeez. So, so do you anticipate that we've seen sort of the plateau here for the soybean market, or are these numbers just just being uh, just what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Is it our first step off the cliff, or did we hit yeah, the bottom today? Yes. Yes. Thank I, you. To me, I, well, we got to see how we trade out on Monday, of course. Which I hate to to throw that out there, where it's like, oh, I don't know. Um, to me, truly, um, I think we're going to find some support. I'm not sure if we take another leg lower before we find that, you know, maybe test um, the, the 940, lower 940s in November beans or not. Um, maybe the 925 range on the, the May is, is kind of what I'm looking for for support. 
I think a lot of it will depend on whether or not we see the South American beans hit the pipeline. We've got to watch what's happening with Argentina's heavy rainfall that's been forecasted because um, that could really influence. I mean, the, their crop has not been harvested. So Informa did come in at 57.5 million metric ton today, um, but you could see some shrink in that because of those excessive rains that are, are being forecast. So for me on beans, I, I think um, the market will probably grab hold of itself and say, okay, um, you know, as, as long as we don't see a significant reduction in, in usage or a significant increase in old crop carryout going into next year, even with the 89.5 million acres, um, you know, a 46 bushel to the acre yield um, would put us at around where carryout is this year. So it's not like we're, we're dealing with, with um, you know, excessively burdensome stock yet. Um, you know, so I think we have to get into, to, first of all, we got to figure out what the weather does this spring to see what actually ends up being planted. And then secondly, we got to see what kind of yields we're going to get. And that puts us out to August. So beans, you know, they'll probably strive to, to find their support level here and, and probably bounce around that number um, for a while. But I, I think the days of, of $10 plus beans, at least in my opinion, are, are probably gone here for unless something unexpected shows up. The big weather scare or uh, for whatever reason, a massive worldwide increase in crush or something. Something or something happens to where we just flat don't see Brazil putting their beans into the pipeline. Okay. Which it, it's, there's some interesting things. There's some interesting dynamics that, you know, the Brazilian farmer is just harvesting his beans. He's only sold about 40, maybe 50% of them overall. And they have this massive crop coming on. And so an exporter really can't sell what he doesn't own. Um, and so if the Brazilian farmer isn't letting them go into the pipeline, you know, which I'm not saying that that's what, you know, that there's zero beans going into the pipeline, but if they aren't aggressively offering out beans, um, you know, and then there was a rumor today that hit that China is rejecting some Brazilian cargoes, you know, perhaps for quality issues or something of that hmm. nature. So there are some things that could arise that could lend some support to the market. Um, but at this point in time, looking at everything we are looking at right now, um, like I said, it, it's going to take something surprising to, to push us back up to those old highs that we were trading at a month ago. Gotcha. Was there anything in the report that shocked you or surprised you, or was all of it pretty much anticipated? It was somewhat anticipated. I was a little bit surprised where the increase in bean acres is coming from. Um, you're, you know, Kansas is going to increase their bean acres nearly a million. So they, they lost a million acres or they did not plant a million acres of wheat last fall. And nearly all of those are going into, all of those acres are going into soybeans. So that's surprising to me, um, just because I've never really known Kansas to be a big soybean, you know, producing state. Um, and then North Dakota is as well. Um, they're going to raise their, their planted acres by about 850,000. Um, so, and then there were some other interesting things, um, Iowa being down on soybean stock versus a year ago. Um, I asked my husband where they went and, and uh, he said they're still here, but I guess we'll, <laughs> that's, that's something we'll sort out later. He says he doesn't buy that they're down versus a year ago, but, um, so I thought that was interesting is, is Iowa, Iowa and, and, uh, it was one other state that I was kind of shocked by that had dropped their soybean stock numbers, um, relatively strongly. Iowa was 19 million lower and now I'm not seeing it, of course. Oh, uh, 
uh, Minnesota was down 13 million. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of surprising. Because Iowa and Minnesota have less beans on hand. Yeah. yeah. So are they railing them out? Where are they? That was, so that was about it. Um, you know, Michigan, it makes sense because we have the best basis. I've been talking about that for a while. We seem to have the best basis in the, the country. And we are actually the only state in the the major grain producing states that have less corn on hand than a year ago. So that that finally makes a little bit of sense. But Looking aside out from that, most year. everything came in. On the planning yeah. intentions, Angie, as you do work with so many Eastern Corn Belt producers, are you expecting that big shift in acres over in uh, that Michigan, Ohio, uh, you know, Indiana part of the world? Well, yeah, because if you look at it, um, the, the corn acres really aren't shifting all that tremendously. Like in Michigan, we're down 100,000. Indiana is, is completely unchanged versus a year ago. And Ohio is down about 70,000. So we really aren't seeing that big shift. It's the non-planted wheat acres that are going to soybeans. So they have to go somewhere. Right. And And so that's what we're seeing. Anything's better than wheat. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, in the the producer's mindset. And that's just it. Between Iowa and, and, or excuse me, Ohio and Michigan um, last fall, winter wheat acres between the two states are down about 300,000 acres. And so that's really interesting. And, and, uh, um, you look at the, the bean increase projected, and, and it kind of makes some sense in that in that realm, is that they're going to be planting. Um, to be, it makes, you know, why would you plant wheat at, at sub-$3 uh, or sub-$4 cash, excuse me, when you could have locked in, you know, nine fifty nine seventy five beans at, at one point in time? Right. After this pop today, Angie, are you getting aggressive on either wheat or corn sales, or do you want to wait and see how this thing rolls out over the next uh, couple trading days? We're waiting to see how it rolls out. For my guys that didn't, because we, we traded, started trading some December 17 corn, um, the last rally that we had above 390, 395, four bucks. So my guys that um, perhaps didn't lock in bushels that wished they would have, have entered some orders. I have some guys entering back in some orders, even though they sold, you know, maybe 5% of their crop at uh at that $4 futures mark, they're going to put some more orders in to, to sell some more around there. Uh, wheat-wise, we're waiting a little bit, um, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I, I really want us to get beyond Mother's Day um, to see what the crop looks like before we get too aggressive on selling anything in this 440 range. Gotcha. Does uh, does this pop in the feed grains mean that the uh, the run is over in live cattle or feeder cattle? Are we going to see those move to the downside? No, you know, I don't think so. I don't think the the feed cost side of things is going to play into the equation too awful much. We may see a move to the downside just because we saw that substantial run up in live cattle there. Um, you know, and and honestly, I was as shocked as anyone I think when Brazil pulled or when. Uh, China and the other countries pulled their ban on Brazilian beef so quickly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be um, a really long-term major development. Shows what I know. Um, <laughs> you know, so them kind of backing away or, or us seeing, you know, we saw that run up a little bit there the, the last few days of last week and, and even the start of this week. But um, to me overall, I think we've just got to continue to watch what cash is doing to give us an indication on live cattle. And that doesn't seem to be backing away too awful much, even though the buyers would love it to. Um, basis has still been strong from, from a lot of spots that I've been seeing. And, and on the feeder side, you know, I don't really necessarily think feeders have to rally too much. Mike, you and I have talked about it several times on the show where the, the supply of feeders 
is relatively strong. And I think it'll remain strong, um, which will kind of keep that market a little bit more limited. But, um, you know, really until we get well into the $4 range in corn or something like that, with how cheap distillers have been and, and other feed sources, I don't necessarily think it'll influence it too awful bad. All right. So at the end of the day, after this report, you're just watching and waiting to see if any of these moves are confirmed come next week. Yes, and keeping an eye on weather, of course. I, I, I would love to, to see the sun. You know, if, if uh, we could get a week of, of sun with some wind, we'd probably start to see equipment rolling and, and it'd be a different ball game. But right now to, to see lower than anticipated corn acres coupled with, you know, basically what's been in the corn belt in Seattle or Seattle, I mean, it's just been wet and, and cloudy and gross. Um, you know, if we see a continuation of this pattern, um, going forward here for another week or two, um, you know, then corn could really get some legs underneath it because people are going to start to discuss the fact that, that uh, you know, is that acreage switch going to take place or are soybeans going to continue to move lower to kind of um, discourage guys from doing that? And we'll just, time will, will tell. Well, Angie, thank you so much for sharing your insight here about the perspective planning's report hopefully we can pick your brains here in a few weeks after the markets kind of settle down oh of course i will save some for you to pick great that sounds great well have a great time at the rodeo this weekend you'll have to let us know how that goes i will do that all right right. well thank Thank you so much All right, another huge thank thank you to uh, Angie Setzer, and she will be up there in Sioux Falls, she said, watching the rodeo with her husband and her folks and just having a good weekend while uh, I guess the rest of us try to puzzle through and anticipate what's going to happen on Monday. It's kind of a wait-and-see type of weekend, isn't it, Delaney? Yeah, I think I'd rather be going to the rodeo myself. Well, load up that car. Get to head north. <laughs> yeah, I could, I guess. You know, maybe you could buy yourself a few Corianni steers and run those oh. in the apartment, and then you flip them as rodeo stock, uh-huh. and then you're really making money, Delaney. That sounds like the next business investment for you, Mike. You know, I've thought about it, but they kind of went nuts. They went nuts right along with all the rest of the cattle, and uh, mm-hmm. I just couldn't bring myself to buy them. You know, being an well, Iowa boy, I like my cows big and fat and long and, you know, yeah. black, I guess. Yeah, a little yeah. beef on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little more, a little more, uh, it, you know, looking good on the pasture type situation. Right. Yeah, Delaney, I understand that. As we look out to next week, is there anything that's uh, got you excited? Maybe should uh, encourage folks to tune in. Yeah, I think we have a few things in the books here. Hopefully, still working on getting somebody at the National Biodiesel Board to speak with us. And then I also reached out to a local farmer from Southeast Iowa. He raises cattle. His name's Kurt Dahlmeyer, and he said he would be more than willing to come on the show sometime next week and talk to us about the cattle industries. Delaney, before we let these people go, how much beer do we have to give Dahlmeyer when he comes on? Oh, I haven't discussed that with him yet. Okay, so fee is still being negotiated. It, it is, yep. All right, well, with that, let's, uh, I suppose, let him go, and have a great weekend, everybody. <laughs>